So tonight we continue on with uh, 10 weeks or so in the, in the book of Philippians. So I'm glad you guys are all here. If I don't know you, my name is Josh. And uh, just really uh, excited for what God has us uh, looking at tonight. And so um, let me just remind you, because this series kind of builds on itself, that if you uh, happen to have missed a message, you can go online and you can pull up one of those on our website and listen to some of the past messages. And uh, I, I just hope that that will be a, a good resource uh, for you. I uh, kind of look forward to the day when I'm an old man driving around in my uh, gold Buick hovercraft, I would imagine, and uh, listening to all the old CRC messages. And hopefully by the time uh, that rolls around, we'll have the whole Bible on there and it'll kind of be a, a growing archive for you. And so uh, be sure to check that out if you've uh, missed anything or you want to go back and pull up some other uh, old messages from uh, some of the different people who have uh, shared God's word here. So check that out. Uh, let me just say, I, I really have been enjoying our, our series together. Uh, this, this little book is just packed with all kinds of stuff, uh, just practical Christian living. And uh, we've been kind of going through our, our connection groups, our small groups midweek, and just kind of fleshing it out a little bit. And so if you're not a part of one of those, I would definitely encourage you to, to, to check that out. Go to one of those groups, and uh, I think you'll find that you'll really enjoy that and benefit from it and find some great friends as well. And so uh, if you haven't, Already checked one out. Give it a, give it a shot. Uh, in the bottom right hand of your uh, river guide there, there's a listing of those and contact info. Uh, or if you'd rather somebody contact you, on the connection card there, you can just check and let us know. And at the end of the gathering, uh, the baskets uh, will come by. Why don't we pray, and uh, we'll, get, we'll get going into it. Uh, God, we just want to quiet our hearts before you in this moment. We just want to ask you to to come and, and reign supreme uh, in our hearts and in our church body and um, Lord in our community in Boston and New England to the uttermost parts of the world God tonight would we um, do our part and, and be ready to hear from you and ready to respond and so God I pray that um, your spirit would do uh, the work that you would illuminate scripture you would stir our hearts and bring about conviction and uh, God we, we just continue to pray for this church, Lord, that you have uh, planted here in this, this western uh, neighborhood of Boston. I pray, Lord, that you would just use us to live out authentic uh, Christianity as you intended it. And so, Father, if there's any area where we're, we're just astray, uh, we're, we're off, Lord, would you show us? Would you make it clear? And would you bring about necessary conviction? We want to be uh, what you want us to be. And so um, we need you to, to show us and to help us in that, Lord. We, we are busy, and we are um, just, just packed with, with all kinds of things on our minds and our hearts. Uh, would you break through all of that, even tonight, God, and, and speak to us? And uh, Father, we pray for those in our, our church body who are hurting. Uh, we know that there are, are many. God, we ask that you would um, just encourage them, even through your word tonight. Uh, God, we, we pray for those um, that we're connected with um, as a church. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and help us to be that source of encouragement and love, and grace, and uh, compassion. And so, God, may we be known for that. And, uh, Father, this is uh, your night, and so we, we just commit it to you and, and trust you to do great things. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're not already at Philippians chapter 2, you can go ahead and go there. And uh, as Luke said, we have some, some Bibles in the, uh, the seats here. And if you don't have one of your very own, uh, we'd be glad for you to have that and, and take it home and, and use it, break it in. Uh, so we'll be in verses 19 through 30 uh, tonight, 
And uh, I'll give you a little bit of background and then some foundation, and we'll, we'll actually not be looking at the scripture until uh, later on in the message, but you can go ahead and get your, uh, get your finger there. This is a church, uh, the church at Philippi, that Paul and his uh, ministry partner Silas had uh, started along with kind of a new uh, ministry recruit protege of sorts named Timothy. If you want to go back to Acts chapter 16, you can kind of look and get uh, the, the story of, of how they picked up Timothy and how God led them uh, to Macedonia, specifically then to uh, Philippi. And now 10 years later from when all of that happened, um, through just some God-sized activity, God started that church. 10 years later, now he's, he's writing this letter uh, back to them. And, and we learn throughout the course of this letter that these people are not just proselytes of, uh, of, of Paul and his team. Uh, they're, they're not just kind of a, a project for Paul. They're not just his flock. They are his friends. And if you remember back to, to chapter 1 when we uh, kicked this whole thing off, uh, we, we see that he said every time he prays for them, his heart just is overcome with joy. In chapter 1, he also says that he just yearns for them. He deeply misses these guys. He just wants to be with them. Uh, we'll get to eventually uh, in chapter 4, and you'll see in chapter 4, that, that ever since he first started the church uh, back 10 years or so ago, they, they were really the only church uh, in Macedonia that started to support him and his ministry, and they've really continued to do that to support him and what he's up to as he shares Jesus across the world. And so even to this very day where we're at in this letter, they are supporting him and taking care of him. And, and really, quite frankly, keeping him alive while he's in, uh, in chains in, in Rome. And so they are, they are much more than just converts for him. They are his, his dearly loved friends. And, and, and so maybe you have even you know, been in Paul's position before at some point in your life that, that uh, there, there's a person maybe that, that by God's grace you had the privilege of leading to, to Jesus. And, and maybe you even discipled them and cared for them and poured into them and, and, and taught them the Bible kind of in the foundational years of, of their life. And, and so you led them to Jesus, you helped them grow, and, and maybe it has kind of become reciprocal, though. Maybe, maybe now they are, are, for you, a brother, a sister, a, a close friend. That's how it was for Paul and the, and the church at, at Philippi. I love how uh, God likes to turn around and bless you with the same people that you were, you were out to bless, and that's kind of how it is with the, the Philippian Christians here. They are friends to Paul. They are his number one supporters and it, and it really kind of makes sense doesn't it that that they would be his number one uh, supporters um, they are are beneficiaries of his his ministry they, they know firsthand the power of what God is doing in and through Paul and so they believe in it so much so that now they're they're supporting it and they've been doing that for about 10 years and maybe this is even you uh, tonight that, that maybe you're here you've benefited from what God is doing uh, here in West Boston and through this this church, and, and maybe for you now it's, it's time like the Philippians to kind of step up and to own this thing and say, hey, I, I want to support it so that others can benefit the way I have benefited, right? There, there are people that most of us in this room don't even know, have never met, that have worked really hard and have prayed faithfully and have given up their finances sacrificially so that you could be blessed maybe like you are being right now through the church. And so now it's our turn to kind of own the mission, step up, and, and, and to move forward with it just like the, the Philippians did for Paul and his, his ministry. And so they have become great supporters and they have become uh, great friends. And so in tonight's passage, Paul kind of takes this, this intermission uh, in the midst of all of his teaching and he just kind of starts to talk about just some personal people issues uh, among their circle of friends. And so tonight what I want to talk about is people. I want to talk about friendship. I want to talk about 
uh, relationship. Now, uh, before we get into tonight's uh, text, like I said, we'll be here, we'll land there later. Uh, Remember uh, back in verse 4 of chapter 2, if you want to look over there, um, Paul says to them, he says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. And so in the, in the spirit of that challenge and the spirit of that exhortation from Paul, I want to encourage us to not simply tonight to engage the, the scriptures on friendship, uh, to look at what kind of friends you want to have, but really look at it from the perspective of what kind of friend do you want to be, right? What kind of friend do you want to be? Now, I, I don't want you to get me wrong here. It is very important that we choose friends wisely. I got a five-year-old who's now in Boston Public Schools, and so we're working that really hard right now. Like, choose your friends wisely. In fact, uh, just this morning, he was telling us about uh, how his teacher sat down with the class and had a, had a lesson, and she took out a piece of paper, and she said, now, kids, every bad word you say to your friends is a crumple, and she just kept crumbling until the paper was completely wadded into a ball, and she says, and this is how you're going to feel, right? And, and so we're like, Isaiah, you need to be very cautious in choosing your, your friends and how they talk and what they do, and and so don't get me wrong, that's important, but uh, I think what we really need to look at tonight primarily is work from the perspective of what kind of friend uh, can I be, right? What kind of friend can I be? Let's put some good bait on the hook. And so in this letter, uh, we see Paul uh, receiving support. He is receiving friendship, uh, but he's also uh, very uh, clearly giving support and, and giving counsel and giving love and, 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 and giving friendship. And they are, they are good, good friends. And Understand that at this point in time, Paul is incredibly alone. I mean, he is, he is in Rome in chains. He's separated from these friends that he's writing to. That's why he's writing them. And, and he's writing this letter, as we've seen so far, just how much he loves them, how much he misses them, how he very well might never see them again because execution is looming over his head. And so Paul is alone. He is alone. But what's crazy is that many of us in this room tonight can kind of relate with that. Maybe you can relate with the, just the feeling of, of being alone, and you're not even forced to be disconnected, right? You're not even in, in chains, and, and, and yet you're, you're still alone. And maybe that's just how you, you feel coming into this place tonight. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to me how in a culture uh, that claims to be more connected than, than ever, loneliness and depression are higher uh, than it's really ever been in, in, in history. And I, I have this smartphone that, you know, in order to get away from me, you'd have to, like, surgically remove it from my, my hand. And so at just about any time I can go on my phone and I can look at uh, my friends, right, my friends. On, I have 1,200 friends on Facebook, right? I could go to Twitter and I could get a kind of a, a blow-by-blow of what's happening in their lives. I could pull up my blog and I could kind of give them a little story of what's happening in in my life, I could, I could text a friend while at work so that they can kind of check under the desk, whereas before we had to wait till they got out of work. Right now, I could text them at, at work. And yet, despite this, this new way of, of community, statistics tell us that we're more disconnected and lonely and uh, unsupported and depressed than ever before in, in history. This morning, I was reading some statistics from a, a professor at Harvard. He's the the chair of the School of Government, and, and he shows this, this decline in relationships over the past 25 or so years. And while he's showing the decline, he's also showing this, this increase in loneliness and depression and, and isolation. And it, it's crazy how in about 25 years, it's about maybe one uh, generation 
in terms of how we, we, we do community. It's changed, yet it's, it's not working uh, so well. So listen to some of his research. We'll put some of it up here on the, on the screen for you. Over the last 25 years, uh, just a few here, uh, family dinners are down by 43% uh, over, the, over the past 25 years. And so instead of having a dinner together with your family, um, you're eating your macaroni and hot dogs in front of the TV or you're running out to uh, soccer practice with the kids and you're grabbing something at McDonald's. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of losing the chance for families to be connected and to talk about uh, what's going on uh, in, our, in our lives. Uh, uh, here's another one for you. is Having uh, friends over is down by 35%. So having friends over to your house is kind of like a, a lost art, right? And so we have friends who we don't even spend time with in our in our culture today and so as a church we're constantly saying listen we want to really encourage you to to let having meals with other people be a a big part of our culture we really believe as you read through the scripture that was a big piece of the of the christian faith is to have meals together so much so that that in 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 the scriptures uh, some of the qualifications for leaders is that they must be hospitable Right? And so they're, they're in a model for you what it means to look like or live like a, uh, in the Christian walk. And, and you're, you're to be hospitable, right? And yet uh, in our culture, it's, it's kind of a lost art. I read one time a while ago, it's kind of straying from the professor here, uh, that it's kind of the phenomenon where we, we moved from front porches to where now everybody has back porches and fenced-in yards so they don't have to see each other, right? Went from front porch sitting, people walking down the sidewalk talking to your neighbor, to now we got back porches and we don't want to talk uh, to each other anymore. And so here's, here's another statistic, last one for us. It, it says that the readiness to make new friends is down by 33% over the last uh, 25 years or so. so. So people want friends, right? We need friends. We're lonely. We're depressed. We're, we're isolated. But no one's ready to make the moves. Everybody's kind of standing around thinking, boy, I could really use a friend. And everybody's like, you first, right? I don't, I don't want to make the move. And so people are just not ready to do it. Maybe it's social awkwardness or just a fear. I, I, who knows what it is, but people aren't uh, taking the steps uh, to, to make friends. And so with, with all of this in mind, as a, as a church here, a new church kind of just establishing our culture and our vision and what we want to be, uh, one word that you'll hear around this place a lot is the word connect. We really want to be an increasingly connected uh, group of, of people. And so our mission as a church, big picture, is, is we want to connect Boston and beyond to Christ. And then we'll throw around these, these three words. It's kind of our mission strategy. And so this is how we're going to get to uh, the mission. And the three words are our reach, connect, disciple. We want to reach into people's lives with the, the love and the message of Jesus. We want to connect them to uh, a meaningful relationship with Christ and his church. And, and those two things really go hand in hand, that when you're connected to God's people, you see Jesus. And, and as you're connected to Jesus, because uh, the church is important to him, what's important to him becomes important to you. And so you can't really be deeply connected to Jesus and not really plugged in uh, to your church. And so we want people to be uh, reached and connected and then discipled the spiritual maturity. We're there now encouraged and, and taught how to engage in that, that cycle. And so we really believe the scriptures make it clear that we are to be an increasingly uh, connected group of people. And as you look throughout biblical history, uh, you'll, you'll see that God is always calling us to a plurality, right? If, we'll just kind of trace the timeline here a little bit. He starts with the marriage, right? He, he creates a marriage, Adam and Eve. And then he moves from marriage to a family. You have Noah, 
right? And then you have Abraham and his family. And then he moves from the family to a nation, right? The people of, of Israel. And then he calls us to, to a church, an assembly of called out ones. And, and Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail uh, against it. And, and so he calls us to be a people, always calls us to be a people and to live this faith out uh, in community with other people and, and to do this uh, together. The, the Bible will give a lot of, of kind of uh, illustrations, pictures of what it means to be uh, a plurality, that we're different, but we're, we're one. And so the Bible will say we're like a marriage and we are, are the, the bride and Christ is the, the groom. The Bible says we're a flock and Jesus is our, our shepherd, our chief shepherd, our chief pastor. We are a people a nation, and Jesus is our king. We are being built into a spiritual house, and, and Jesus is the foundation or the, the cornerstone. We are a body, and Jesus is the, the head. We are a family. God is the, the father, and so we are meant to live this thing out in unity together with it all really being leaning on and resting on, led by uh, Jesus. And know that this is not an afterthought of God. This is something that, that he intended uh, from the beginning. Scripture shows us that our God is, is Trinitarian in nature. And so we're really created after that. God is Father, he is Son, and he is Holy Spirit. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, God says, let us make man after our image and after our, our likeness. And I know it's kind of difficult for us to get our minds around that, that God is, is one in, in, in three persons. I mean, I'm trying to explain to my five-year-old. It's just kind of crazy right now. It's, if you got anything good, you help me out here. But it's, I know it's tough to get our, our heads around. But God, who is eternal from eternity past, has been in perfect harmony and, and, and community within himself. And so he doesn't need anything. He doesn't make us because he's, he's lonely. He makes us after his image and likeness. And because we're made in his image and likeness, we're made like him, wanting and longing for in the deepest parts of who we are for c- community. And so don't buy it when people tell you, I don't need anybody. I'm a loner, right? I remember sitting on my back porch with a friend of mine one time and, and talking to him. And he was like, yeah, you know, I don't really need anybody. I'm good. I'm like, what am I, chump change? I'm sitting here, like, loving on you, caring for you. He's like, I don't, I don't need anybody. Genesis chapter uh, 2, verse 18 says, God made all things, right? And after he makes everything, he says, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. He makes man. What does he say? He says, that's very good. But then he says, there's one thing that's not good. Uh, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. We're made for relationships. And he creates a uh, woman, and they become uh, one. So there's, there's a little bit of a case for relationship, just, just kind of the tip of the iceberg there. Uh, but now let's, let's start to, to learn uh, from the Christian relationships that, that Paul has here in, in Philippians a little bit. Um, throughout this series, we've been saying all along that this is all about uh, joy. Big picture, it's about joy. We've seen Paul full of joy. He's got every conceivable reason to be just completely miserable. He's in chains. He's separated from his loved ones. He's uh, been beaten. He's got execution just kind of looming over his head. But somehow he is just full, just loaded with joy. And so by his example and by the teachings here, we see that as Christians, our joy is, is unconventional. It's, it's different. It's, it's authentic. Uh, that we can have joy when life stinks. We can have joy when life is really hard and, and unbearable. And, and the reason is we've seen that, that because our joy is not contingent upon our circumstances, our joy is in the Lord. And so our joy isn't really connected to our circumstances. 
Because if that's so, we're going to often lack joy. Because when, when circumstances are hard and difficult and, and painful, our joy is gone because our circumstances are ever-changing. And, and so many of us just kind of ride that wave. We're high, we're low, we're high, we're low because we're emotional beings. But if our joy is in the Lord who is constant and, and unchanging, we can constantly choose joy. Joy is an option that is always right uh, before us because God is unchanging. And one of the coolest things that our, our loving gracious, unchanging God has given us and created us for is, is relationships, Christian relationships. And so I'll, I want to really get into it here in, in Philippians. And I do, before we really get right into it, I want to I make one thing very clear. Um, that what we're talking about in Christian relationships is more than just friendship. We're not just talking uh, friendship here. Many, many people I, I've seen, and, and maybe even you, uh, at some point in your life, you've You've come to a church and you're looking for, for friendships and for whatever reason you just left kind of unsatisfied. Maybe you've been there and I don't know if I'm not getting friendships or what, but uh, you left unsatisfied. And, and what we're, we're, we're not looking to just develop friendships. We're looking to develop gospel friendships. Let's get that clear. Gospel friendships. Gospel being the good news of Jesus. We're, we're looking to develop gospel friendships. Friendships that are centered on and, and characterized uh, by the gospel, by the good news of, of Jesus. And so let me explain a, a little further back in the garden. What does God say? He says it's not good uh, that man should be alone. And so what does he do? He makes Eve. And then what happens shortly thereafter? They eat of the tree that they were forbidden to eat of. And then at that very moment that they eat of the tree, sin enters into the world and, and they hide themselves. And they hide themselves in two ways. First, they hide themselves from God among the trees of the garden, and then they hide themselves from each other. They recognize their nakedness, and they sew fig leaves together, and they, they hide themselves from each other. I mean, they're hiding themselves from their very, their, their, their very own spouse. And, and we as Christians understand that our sin breaks our relationship with God, but you also need to understand that your sin has broken your relationship with other people and and that happened in the, in the beginning stems from uh, what happened with Adam and Eve that they had to cover themselves and so in order for our relationships to really be all that God has intended for them to be our, our relationships need to be gospel relationships gospel friendships or partnerships as Paul says uh, in chapter one they need to be gospel centered and they need to be gospel uh, characterized if you want to think back to it and, and, and flip back to uh, Philippians 1 5 and, and even 1 7 uh, Paul says uh, thanks uh, to God because of their partnership in the gospel. See, their, their relationship had been centered on the gospel. Verse 7, if you look, he says, and you are all partakers of uh, grace. You are partakers with me of grace. And so uh, their relationship was centered on the gospel and shared together in the grace that's offered in, in the gospel that, that, that Jesus has extended uh, grace to them. He's given them what they don't deserve. He's forgiven them of their sin. And so in our relationships, we, we really share a unity that is uh, in Jesus, so it's gospel-centered, and we have this understanding that's unique to all of the relationships in the world, and that understanding is what do we do with the sin problem, right? We know how to deal with the, the sin problem. It's gospel-characterized, right? Uh, in other words, our relationships aren't perfect. I'm not trying to stand up here and say gospel relationships are, are perfect relationships, and we're just we're peachy and we all get along. Uh, the difference is we know how to deal with the sin problem. Whereas Jesus has extended us grace, likewise, if we want to be like Christ, Christians, 
We, we're going to extend that same grace to other people. And so we love in those relationships like Jesus. We sacrificially give in those relationships like Jesus. We forgive like Jesus. And some of you, marriage is not even remotely on your radar screen. You practice that in friendships now, that will translate over very well in, into marriage. And so our relationships are unique. They're unconventional, unconventional joy. Now, really, let's get into uh, tonight's passage here. Um, we get a further glimpse of all these relationships that, that we've, we've heard uh, that Paul has um, in chapters 1 and in most of chapter 2, uh, that he has gospel friendship. And, and now here's how they're living it out as we read. They're, they're living it out through sharing. There's a lot of sharing. I'm always taken back to Acts 4 um, as, as you get the, the second summary of the early church, which says that they had everything in common. We weren't just a bunch of clones. That's not what it means that you have everything in common, that you just, everything is in common. Like the girls I, I saw today walking down the street in West Roxbury, and they got their Uggs on and their sweats on and their Catholic Memorial hooded sweatshirt on, and like all 10 of them looked identical. That's not what we're talking about. When it says you have everything in common, saying we, we share everything as, as Christians. We, we share, right? We, 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 in the gospel of Jesus, the good news, we're able to, to share as Jesus has shared with us. And so, Gospel friendship means we share some things. Now, uh, let's look at Paul's situation. Some four things that we, we see him and others sharing in their relationships. The first one is gospel friendship uh, leads to shared victories. Gospel friendship leads to shared uh, victories. Look at uh, Philippians two nineteen and 20. Shared victories. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So, shared uh, victories. Uh, think back with me to, to, to Acts chapter 16, uh, back before uh, the start of the church in Philippi. He picks up this, this young Christian guy named, named Timothy, and he starts to disciple him. Um, and, and he had heard from uh, the brothers in Lystra and Iconium that, uh, that this guy was a solid guy, so he picks him up and and brings them along, and he becomes kind of his ministry uh, apprentice, his protege. He trains them, and eventually he will leave him in, in Ephesus. And, and so here, uh, Paul shares to the Philippians about this guy, Timothy, uh, that, that he wants to send Timothy over to, to, to Philippi so that Timothy can assist this church and help this, this uh, 10-year-old uh, church. And he expects that Timothy's going to come back to him with a good uh, report, right? about Philippi, and so he says, I, I want to be cheered by news of you. I, I, I expect that I'm going to be cheered uh, by news of you after sending Timothy over to you. And, and so here's what I want to point out, is that Paul's relationship with the Philippians is so real and so honoring to God that their victories, their successes, e- excite Paul. And so what's so unique about this, if you want to start thinking towards your own life, is that here's this guy Paul, and he's in chains, as we pointed out. He's had a really rough go at this. And, and he's finding uh, delight and, and encouragement in, in their victories, even though for him it's not going so hot right now. And, and, and so for us, that's really how it should be, that when we get good reports about other people's uh, lives and other people's journeys with the Lord, that, that when we get good reports for them, even though it might not be going so hot for us, that we're excited, that we, we rejoice and we're praising God for that, so that when, when somebody else does well, even though we're struggling, uh, we rejoice um, and, and, and we're just we're praising we're praising God. And so uh, I tell you, even if God's not blessing you, you can be cheered 
uh, if you have a gospel friendship, a gospel relationship, you can be cheered uh, by news of that. And uh, again, at the time of this letter, things aren't hot for Paul, right? He's in chains. They are free. He has uh, little fellowship. They have all kinds of fellowship with each other. He's uh, not marrying and, and enjoying a, a marriage relationship. They are marrying. We can read in Acts 16. They're, they're married. He has no kids. They have the blessing uh, of kids. And yet they're his gospel friends. And so when they rejoice, he, he rejoices. Uh, and, uh, you know, Friday night I had, uh, Becky and I had dinner and had some friends over uh, from Central Mass. And um, I, they, we, were, we were talking to them a little bit, and they were just talking to us about their journey uh, over the past, uh, I don't know, like five, six, seven years uh, with infertility. Uh, they were unable to have kids, still are. And uh, for many women, this is a really difficult struggle. I mean, girls grow up uh, thinking, I'm going to have kids, have these expectations of being a mom and, and labor and all of that, uh, and carrying a child. And uh, these, these two weren't able to do that. And uh, they were just kind of sharing the, the struggles of that. Uh, and, and I was kind of thinking about it after they left, just thinking about the fact that, you know, I guess I never put it all together that, that back when we lived in Central Mass with them and we're having baby number one, they're there cheering for us, excited. They're, they're celebrating with us. We had this big circle of friends, maybe like 10 young married couples. We're all, ha- I mean, all of us having babies. This church like doubled in size when we started having babies, right? And, and so we're all having babies and they're not and they're, they're cheering. Then we start having, all of us start having baby number two and they're cheering and they're excited and they're, re- they're rejoicing uh, with us, and, and, and that's how it really should be, is that, hey, listen, I know I'm struggling, I know things maybe are tough for me, but praise God that he's blessing you in, in that way. I, I'm, I'm excited uh, about that, and that's unconventional joy. That's joy when it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, right? Uh, that's, that's God kind of joy here, um, and, it, and it can only really come uh, from uh, trust and, and faith in the Lord. Uh, if you want to think back to verse 3 in chapter 2 here, what does Paul say? He says, do nothing out of rivalry. Do nothing out of, of rivalry. Back in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 15, you might want to write that reference down. He says uh, that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. So when it's good for them, it's going well for them, even if it's not for you. We rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And, and, and let me just say this, that isn't it true that celebrating victories is so much better uh, when you're celebrating it with other people? Remember those those long, slow, late nights in the fall of 2004 when we were watching the, uh, the Red Sox attempt to reverse the curse. And my, my poor wife is uh, neither a morning person or an evening person. And so um, I, had to, I had to stay up and watch the game. And she really did kind of care, but she couldn't stay up with me. So I had to stay up and watch all of those long, arduous games all by myself, and I remember with every run, I just so wanted to hug somebody, something, but she wasn't, she was napping, and I had to, like, jump and be celebrating kind of quietly, and it was kind of a, a bummer. On the, on the flip side, I remember, I think it was 2006, somebody had given us um, season, or, or given us tickets, their season tickets to the opening game of the, the Yankees and Red Sox, the very first uh, Yankees-Red Sox matchup of the season, and I'm telling you, it was crazy. I mean, and Johnny Damon was now on the other, you know, he was an enemy now. And so everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs, just mocking this guy. And I'm telling you, with every run, every out, I, all these people around me who were all season ticket holders, they all had matching shirts. And they weren't, 
related. They just were all, they had been season ticket holders. They had matching shirts. And here my wife and I are in like our plaid goofy shirts, right? And uh, I'm telling you, they were, we were like high-fiving everybody, hugging these random drunk men that we didn't even know. With their, I mean, it was just exciting, right? We were able to celebrate with them. And I, I just pray that for us as a church, that that increasingly becomes who we are, that other people's victories are our victories, right? When somebody else has a baby, that's our baby. You know? I mean, that's exciting, right? We're, we're, we're thrilled by that. When, when somebody else has a financial blessing, even though it's really tough for us, we're, we're, we're celebrating. When other people have promotions and jobs, when we've been waiting forever, we're celebrating with them. We're excited with them. We praise God for that. We share victories. Moving on. Uh, gospel friendship uh, leads to shared mission. Leads to shared uh, mission. Look at verses uh, 21 uh, through 24. For they all seek their own interests, uh, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. So if, if he lives, and we know that he's kind of wrestling. I, I think I'm going to live, but I could very much so uh, be executed here. Verse 24. Uh, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And so uh, Paul says that, that Timothy, this, this apprentice of his, has, has served with him in the mission. He's been with him in, in the mission of sharing uh, the gospel. And he says he's been doing it like a son with, with a father. He's like my son. That's a compliment. You, you are like a son to the Apostle Paul. I mean, that's, 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 that's serious stuff right there. Let me, just, let me just remind us that this is not just their mission because they were gospel laborers and pastors. This is our mission, right? Matthew 28, 19 and 20 makes it very, very clear that we are all called to make disciples of all the nations. We are all called to do everything that we do uh, Colossians 3.17, for the glory of Jesus. So if you're, if you're uh, working in a secular field, that you're, you're called to use that for the, for the kingdom of, of God and for his purposes. Now, I'm going to embarrass somebody for just a minute. Um, I, I should have sought permission, but I'll embarrass them anyways. The other day I had a coffee with my boy Luke here, who uh, read scripture for us a little while ago. And uh, Luke had, has recently moved to Cambridge for a really, really cool job opportunity for him. And, and he's young for this, this job opportunity. There's a lot of success, a really cool option uh, for him. But he started in the conversation by just telling me how he knows that God brought him here. Not for the job, but to use the job for God's purposes. And, and, and I could point to many of you in here. It's not just, I, I know many of you in here that that's, that's kind of, I'm at this college because God wants to use me in a big way. I'm, I'm in this career because God wants to use me. I'm in this neighborhood because God wants to, I mean, I, that's many of your, your, your stories. And, 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 and so we, we need to understand that this is our mission, right? And we share this mission together. It, it's, it's all of our, our mission. And, and know this, right? I'm not going to try to like paint this pe- peachy kind of commercial for you that, oh, it's just easy. Like, it just drives me nuts when you, you turn on the channel and, like, the Army is advertising, recruiting for the Army, and it's, it's a Halo video game that they're showing. I'm like, are you serious? You're going to butter up some 17-year-old boy with a Halo video game? He, he's going to be a sucker for that? Like, yeah, I could do it. No. It's craziness, right? I'm not trying to make it peachy for you. It's hard, right? It's going to be difficult to really live the mission uh, for, for Jesus. But, you know, when... when, when uh, difficulty comes your way. You know when it's the, just the most unbearable is when you feel like you're in it alone. But you know what? You're not. It's a shared mission. We all have uh, this mission to make disciples of all 
uh, nations. And when you know that you're not in it alone, when you know that you've got other people, you can look around the room, you can call up a friend, when, when you know that you got that, it, it, man, it, it makes a world of difference. And that's how it was for, for, for Paul with Timothy. Verse 22, he says, he has served with me in the gospel. He has been right there with me, serving with me in the gospel. And so it's a shared mission. And let me just make a, let me just make a little side note. Um, one more sad reality uh, that I think is, is really reflective of our, of our own day, and that is verse 20. If you want to look at verse 20, uh, Paul says, I have no one like him. I have no one like him. And, and unfortunately, that's kind of become pretty normative in our faith uh, today, that there are little to no men like Timothy. Can I beat up on some men for a second? I do that with love, right? There's, there's little to no men like Timothy who are faithful to Jesus, who are sacrificial servants of Jesus. Where are the men at, right? Paul's saying, I got no one like him. You know, I think that's pretty true in today's day. If Paul was here, he'd say, I don't know that there's hardly anybody like him. Where are the faithful, sacrificial men at? I, I mean, I really... I really think this is probably the, the top reason why the church is declining in America today. It's because the men aren't doing anything. Men are lazy and, and, and selfish, and we're called to not be lazy. We're called to be servants and selfless. Paul says, where are they at? I got no one like this guy. And I pray that wouldn't be true of us. And so, little side note. Thanks for letting me beat you up for a minute there. Moving on. Uh, another area that we've got to share is, is sorrow. We've got we to gotta share in sorrow. Gospel friendship leads to, to shared sorrow. And so, uh, very similar as with the, the mission. Some of you guys have been in some really difficult situations. Just a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain. Some of you are there right now. When's it the most unbearable? When you feel like you've got nobody else who can, can go through it with you. But we're called to share the sorrow, to, to share the sorrow. That's why, again, back to Romans twelve fifteen, just like we share in, in the victories, and, and rejoice with those who rejoice. We're also called to weep with those who, who weep. I, I, always, I just love, I'm just always blown away with the story of Jesus and Lazarus, right? Jesus knows that he's going to pull Lazarus out of the graves and say, Lazarus, come out. He knows it, but he takes a moment and models for us what it looks like to enter into people's pain. And he, he cries with the ladies, right? Love that. Such an example. We're, we're to, to share in sorrow and to weep with those who weep. Now look at verse uh, 25 and, and uh, 26 and, and 27. He says, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And so the Philippians had sent to Paul this guy Epaphroditus. And uh, he was probably an elder or a deacon in the church at, at Philippi. And they had sent him to be with Paul and to encourage Paul and to also to deliver to Paul uh, the, the funds that they're supporting his ministry with and maybe to, to, to send to him just some specific goods for, for Paul. In Second Timothy, uh, you read, uh, that Paul is telling Timothy, send from, I need some parchments. I need something to write some more letters. And so maybe they brought him, in this case, something like that, some paper, some, you know, Sharpie marker. I don't know what Paul wrote in back then. But, but he, he's, he's there for that, that reason. He's, he's spending time with, with him. And, and Paul kind of highly compliments him, doesn't he? Here's another good compliment. He says he's a brother. He's a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. 
Uh, and, 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 you know, what you see is that on the journey to come be with Paul, Epaphroditus has fallen deathly ill uh, to the point that it looked like he was not going to make it. And Paul gets to deliver back to the, the Philippian church that, that God has shown mercy on him, right? God has allowed him to, to, to live. And, and, and so you kind of see all kinds of sorrow sharing in just these few verses. You see that the Philippians were sorrowful over uh, Epaphroditus' illness, right? Epaphroditus was sorrowful that the Philippians had heard that he was ill and became sorrowful. So it was like this double sorrow. And then Paul says, and if he would have died, I would have become sorrowful, just sorrow upon, upon sorrow. And that's how it works, right? When one member of the church hurts, we all hurt. We all feel it. I love uh, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians that, that illustration, that famous illustration that Paul gives us of the body, right? that the church is like a body. And when mo- one member suffers, we all kind of suffer. And, and there's no member that's less important than the other. So it's not like somebody preaches and somebody uh, moves chairs around and sets this place up and anybody's more important we're all uh we're all called to to work this thing together and and in that illustration you kind of understand that if one one person hurts we all hurt and we all have to kind of share the load and so if it's the right foot that gets sprained we put the weight on the left foot and crutches right and we all kind of feel that right that's how it should be uh with the church if we want to be a church that is a church of people who are burden sharers we enter into the pain and we share it uh together and so we share sorrows. Here's the, here's the last one. Um, last one is this. Um, gospel friendship leads to shared resources. Uh-oh, he's going to touch my wallet right now. Look out. Uh, verse 28. Verse 28, here's what he says. He says, I am more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So Paul is sharing people resources here. He, he's sharing people resources. He's saying, I want to send Epaphroditus uh, back to you. See, Paul is he's locked up and he's overwhelmed with loneliness, but yet he doesn't want to just hoard and, and, and keep Epaphroditus. He's, he's uh, got some joy and, and some, some, some uh, companionship with Epaphroditus. Now he's ready to, 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 to send him back. And he's, he's in verse 23, you read that he, he was ready to send Timothy over to, to them as well. And so he's sharing uh, resources of people. People are very valuable uh, resources. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, uh, we saw that the, the early church uh, shares resources, right? Uh, they were laying their goods at the apostles' feet and they were distributing as any had need. So it said that there's, in chapter 4, not a needy person uh, among them. They had all things in common. That's, that's craziness. It says in chapter 4, uh, that, verse 32, that, that no one said that anything belonging to himself was his own. We're, we, we share, right? And, and when we live like this, God blesses this. And God really blesses when we sacrificially give and let go of whatever resources that God has, has given us. In Malachi chapter uh, 3, verse 10, if you want to write that one down, um, it, it says he promises to, to open up the windows of heaven for you and, and to pour down a blessing until there is no more need. And so when we give, he promises, I'm going to bless that giving. When you sacrifice, I'm going to grow you through that. I'm going to support you uh, through that. And uh, that's, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be, is to be a people who share and, and who give to uh, the mission and to needs as they arise uh, in, in the church community. That my stuff is not my stuff. It's something that I've been called a steward to manage from God. 
The manager of Starbucks doesn't own Starbucks, right? He manages Starbucks, but it's not his stuff, right? And that's kind of how it is for, for us as well. And so we manage it, and we send it out as we need to send it out. And we do that with funds. We do that with resources. I, hey, my, my car is not my car. You're moving. I got a trailer hitch. Let's go. Let's do this, right? That's how we're called uh, to live. And, you know, what the, I think the most powerful resources as modeled here is the resource of people. I remember um, I was kind of helped with a, a team that kind of pioneered some church planting stuff in Honduras. And uh, I got to sit down with the, um, the men who kind of risen up as elders in this, this new church. It was really cool. Year one we went there and there was a missionary from Nicaragua. Um, and then it just kept growing and growing. Year two there was like 35 believers. Then there was like 120 something. We got to help them with a baptism. They had already, by year three, planted other, like two other churches. It was incredible. And I remember thinking, man, we spent a lot of money on plane tickets to get down here and to visit you. And what if we just sent you the $30,000 that, that, that we just spent on a team to go down there? Just, no, we want you. We want to look into your eyes. That, that encourages us more than anything. That's how it was for Paul. He was so encouraged by Epaphroditus. And, and now he knows I can send them back. They can see him. He's well. He's not dead. He's alive. I can send them Timothy. I could just, we could just send them money from wherever Timothy's at in Ephesus or whatever. We could just do that. But I want to send them people. I want to I help them in, in that way. And likewise for us as a church, just so you know where we're going eventually, our, our dream is to plant more churches like this in Boston, some, some community churches in Boston. Then we want to plant in other influential cities all over New England. And so that day's coming. By God's grace, right? And one of the best things that we can give to that is people, right? And so if God raises up some leaders here, rather than just say, just stay with us. Please just stay. We, we could really help. We'll say, it'd be great if you go. Some of you, you don't even know it. You're going you're gonna to move to another part of Boston, or maybe there's a church plant that's closer to you in Boston that we help, help get off the ground. You're going to end up there, right? We want to give people. And, and so as, as a church, we are called to to hold tightly to the mission that God has given us, but hold very loosely to our stuff, because it's not our stuff, it's God's stuff. Whether it's money or stuff or people or time, whatever it is, we, we give it. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 6, is a good promise from the Lord that whoever sows has that loose hand, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever uh, sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so as you give to the mission, God blesses that. He really, he really does. And I, I've seen that time and time again in my life where it's like, man, this is, this is tough. I, c- I could use this in some other things. And God says, you give and I'll provide. I'll provide. And uh, you'll reap bountifully. And I feel like I have. I feel like one of the most blessed men on the planet, to be perfectly honest. I'm not driving a Beamer, but I feel really blessed. Really blessed. And I pray that that will be all of us. I pray that all of these things that we share would be all of us. That we would be a church of friends. We'd be a church uh, who, who has uh, friendships in here and has friendships out there. That we share with other churches like Paul uh, was doing. That we, we, we send teams, we send people, we send resources. We'd be that kind of, of people. Uh, a church full of gospel friends who, who share our victories together. We, we're focused on our shared mission and that supports each other. So it's not like we're going at it alone wherever you're at. That we share our sorrows because we're all going it, to, it's coming, right? I told you that all along. It's coming. Like your day is coming 
when you feel like the, the burden is so heavy, it's coming, and we share that together. And so we know that it's coming. We ready ourselves uh, to share those, and then we share our, our resources together. And the church is kind of like a family. And so together, let's, let's build a family, and uh, let's, let's be a family, and let's enjoy the benefits of, uh, of being a family. And so why don't we pray? God, we, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this, this really personal text kind of packed away in the middle of this book. We see all kinds of cool stuff happening there, and I pray, Lord, that we would follow these examples that have been given to us by Paul and Epaphroditus and Timothy and the Philippians. Or may that be us. Would you grow us in these things, Lord? Show us areas... Uh, that we've looked at tonight that we're just struggling in? Would you make it clear? Show us how we can, uh, we can change. Give us the power to do it. Give us the will and the work, as we saw earlier in the chapter. Help us in these things, Father. And God, I, I pray too for those in here tonight who, who they've never even received the gift of Jesus. They've never trusted in Jesus and placed faith in Jesus. Help them to realize that all the friendship stuff we're talking about is just secondary, that Jesus is the main attraction, that you are the gift, that you went to the cross taking on the price for our sin, and that if they would trust in you, totally trust in you, they get new and eternal life. And of course they get all these wonderful blessings that come with you, but the best gift is you. And may they trust you and follow you, turn from sin and turn to you.